Lord, you are indeed the way maker. Lord, we were dead to our sin. We were separated from you. But you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to take the punishment for us, pay the price we could never pay. You made the way for us to be in relationship with you. Lord, you are the miracle worker. You gave us the ultimate miracle of salvation. The greatest miracle we could ever receive is the confidence of an eternity with you. You're the promise keeper. Right from the moment when Adam and Eve sinned, you promised that you would make a way. You put Jesus in plan. You are the way maker, the light in the darkness. We praise you this morning. Thank you, Lord. You made a way for us. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Life Church. So great to see you all. It's great to have our bubble of 100 here on the floor and our bubble of 100 in the mezzanine. And of course, welcome to everyone joining us online as well. You guys can grab a seat. Man, it's so great to be in church this morning, isn't it? Or it's great to be watching it. I'm sure it is at your home. And can I just say that uh, for someone who is here in the room, it is really nice to worship with more than about 30 people here in this auditorium. It is so great to be able to gather with people, a room of about 200 this morning and worship our God together together. because we're getting pretty great at pivoting, aren't we? We're getting pretty great and I'm not gonna try and replicate Carl's pirouette, uh, but we are getting pretty good at adapting. And I was pondering it this week as we've had to make changes and we're having to adapt and to be on our toes and I really just feel that even though it can be challenging, And even though there are difficulties that come with that, if we can embrace it, if we can lean into it, I really feel that we can grow from it. I really feel like it builds a resilience in us. You know, God will use anything He can to grow us and to build His kingdom. And Jesus said that He will build His church and the gates of hell won't stop it. It will keep building. And so while this is a challenging season, I wanna thank you all for your resilience and your faithfulness because I think God is doing some great things, amen? And over the past few months, We've been discussing going out fishing again. We've taken a season to clean and to mend our nets and that's a lifelong journey. You know, that doesn't stop just because we finished a sermon series on it. We've got to keep working on our nets. After we've cleaned them, we've taken stock, we then have to keep them in maintenance. We have to keep working on them, keep them them maintained throughout our lives so that holes don't reopen. We don't stop looking after our nets. But now we're talking about getting out on the water again to go fishing. Ultimately, what we're talking about is having influence. When Jesus told his disciples that they would be fishers of men, he wasn't meaning that they would literally go out on the streets and throw fishing nets on people and drag them into their boats. What he was saying is that their lives would now have a greater calling and that calling would be to influence people with the good news of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. And now you and I, We have influence. We have influence on the people around us. Some of us have a greater degree of influence than others, but by nature of the fact that we are all human beings, we influence each other. We impact each other. And you can see this proven in marriage. One of the side effects of being in close proximity with someone else for an extended period of time is you start to become a bit more like each other. 
And Anna and I have noticed this in the, even the short five years that we've been married. The more we go on, the more we start to sound the same. We start to talk the same. The little responses to sentences when someone says something and will respond in the same tone with the same words. You start Those little mannerisms that you start to pick up, we start to sound the same. We even start to look the same. Like we start dressing the same. And the amount of flack that we used to get in the office, because we would turn up to work wearing like the same outfit or would be dressed similar, even though we got dressed separately, but our fashion taste would come a little bit more similar, would start to influence each other. And that way, the things we're interested in, the way we see the world start to align. And now I don't know if this part is true for other couples, but we've even been asked if we're siblings. Like, come on. And we're like, you guys brother and sister? No, we are, we're married with two kids. It's because we have an influence on each other. We affect one another. But this isn't just true in marriage. This applies to your close friends, your family members, your work colleagues. You have an influence in people's lives and it's often a greater one than you may think. Earlier this year, I was reading through the book of Matthew. I wanna read to you a verse that I read. Matthew 5, verse one and two. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. One day, one day, just one day, nothing special that we know of, nothing significant, just another standard day. And this was early on in Jesus' ministry as he was traveling around the region of Galilee. So from what we read, he was probably traveling from one town to another. He'd been preaching and sharing in one town and now he was off to another town to preach the gospel, tell people about the kingdom of God. And so he's going about his day, he's traveling, but then some people figure out where he is. So they gather around him, they start asking him some questions. And then before you know it, there is a crowd gathered around Jesus just one day. Jesus hadn't put a call out to say that he was gonna be in this spot at this time. He hadn't sent an email out to his email database saying, hey, service here at 10 a.m., come see me preach. He hadn't been active on his social media promoting that he was gonna be here. He didn't whip out his iPad with his pre-written sermon ready to go. No, just one day as Jesus was going about his life, he noticed there was a crowd gathered around him. He noticed he had influence. He noticed he had an opportunity for influence, And what he did in that moment was he took the opportunity that was before him and he used it to point people towards God. He began to teach them. He went up on the mountainside and began to teach them about the kingdom of God. And the way I see it, Jesus had three options. He could have ignored his influence. Like he could have just carried on. He was a busy man. He had things to do. Like he had to go and preach the gospel at this other town that he was going to. So he could have ignored the influence that he had and just carried on. Or he could have used his influence, but he could have used it for selfish motives. Gain a little bit more popularity, maybe get some financial gains, some more friends, build up his status a little bit. Or he could use it to point people towards God. And we all have the same choice Jesus did. Because influence can get you a lot of things. You don't have to look far in our world to see the impact that influence can have. Elections, marketing, popularity, 
financial gains, friendships, so many things can come down to the influence that we can have on one another. And we even have the marketing term now, social media influencer, which is someone who has a large enough presence on social media that they can impact the opinions and more importantly, the buying decisions of the people that follow them. And these have become the biggest trend in marketing recently because what brands have realized is that the best salespeople are our friends and family. A brand can spend millions of dollars in marketing and advertising, but we are far more likely to buy something simply if someone we know and we love uses it and loves it. You would have seen this play out during the first lockdown, how they got all sorts of famous New Zealanders to take to social media to promote you know, staying in our bubbles and staying at home. And so brands partner with these influencers because we see them on our social media feeds every day. And so we feel that there is a level of relationship and trust that we have with that person. They have no idea who we are, but because we see them on our feeds every day, they show us what's happening in their lives, we feel a connection with them enough so that when they recommend a product, we're far more likely to buy it. It has a greater influence on us than just seeing an ad somewhere else. It's because people have a great influence. So what will we use our influence for? And now I think most of us as followers of Jesus have the desire to use our influence for the kingdom of God. We wanna see the people we know come to know the love of Christ in their hearts. We wanna see our nation following the ways of God, but often we can struggle in knowing how. How do I have an influence for Jesus? And I think one of the biggest keys for living a life of influence, or at least a great starting point for us all, is living a life of faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. A life of faith where Christ is at the center, where you know that he has access to your whole life, where you spend time in the word and in worship and in prayer. One of the verses that's been challenging me a lot recently is Luke 5, verse 15 and 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Vast crowds came to hear him preach. People were getting healed, revival was breaking out. He had a great influence, but he often withdrew to the wilderness to be alone and to pray and to spend time with God. Jesus knew that if he was gonna have an influence in this world, God needed to be the primary influence in his life. He knew that public influence comes from private intimacy. And we've even talked, already talked about the fact that when you're in close proximity with someone, you start to become more like them. In order to become more like Christ, we have to spend more time with Christ. You don't become like someone that you only see once a week. You become like someone that you have a daily relationship with, where there is intimacy, where there is close proximity. But one of the wonderful things that happens when we live with close proximity to Christ is we live with a new sense of hope. And hope is one of the outward expressions of faith. And I truly believe that one of the greatest ways we influence this world as Christians is through living a life of hope. You want people to see the reality of Jesus in your life, live with hope in your heart. 
Yes, I'm going through a difficult time right now, but I know God is leading me through it. Yes, this is difficult currently, but I know God has a great plan for my life. I know my boss is being a pain right now, but I still speak honoring of them. I can't be bothered being at work today either, but I'll work with a smile on my face. Yes, it looks like the world's in a bad state right now, but I'm not gonna walk around in doom and gloom because God has overcome this world and He is in control. Hope is a testimony that speaks far louder than words. And the reality is, is our world is craving hope. And they're desperate for the peace that comes from a hope-filled life. And 1 Peter 3.15, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Why are you so joyful? Why do you always show up to work with a smile on your face? How can you put up with our rubbish manager? Why do you never talk bad about them? How come you don't gossip? Why did that situation not get you really angry? Why is the state of the world not getting you down? Those are your one day moments. Those moments where you have an opportunity like Jesus did to use your influence to point people towards God. Why are you always so joyful? Because I know what Jesus has done for me. I am set free. I am made right before God. Why are you not discouraged right now? Well, yeah, I'll admit this is a tough time for me too, but I know that God will get me through it. The world does look dark, but Jesus has promised that he will lead us through the dark valley. Why do you always show up to work with a smile on your face? Because having a job at all is a blessing from God. I'm grateful to be able to work. How can you put up with our manager? They're mean, they're disrespectful because they're a human being made in the image of God and they're worthy of my love and my respect. Hope is an influence that will open doors for conversations about Christ. And then the last one is love. The greatest of these is love. But I wanna speak about true love. Because often we hear the word love and we think of it as being kind to people, being nice to people, treating them well, treating them with dignity, holding the door open for someone. And all of that's true and that's an aspect of love. But true love is caring for their eternity. And what I love about Jesus' life as we regularly see him being interrupted during his day by people or crowds. He might be on his way to do something or heading to another location, but he allows his life to be interrupted because he sees opportunities where he can use his influence to impact someone's eternity. And this is how we should approach life. We go about our day-to-day lives, we show up to work, but we live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit's promptings so that when we see an opportunity, we're able to use it to sow seeds into people's lives. We don't have to storm into our workplace preaching the gospel, but when opportunities come, when people ask questions, when they ask you what you did this weekend, you have an opportunity to point them towards God, to tell people about the faith that you have. That is living a life of love. Well, you are caring enough about someone's eternity that you're willing to have your life interrupted with a potentially uncomfortable conversation if it will help point them towards God. Because you know what's amazing? Is that on the one day, this one day as Jesus was traveling to another location and he allowed his life to be interrupted, the sermon he went on to deliver is what we know today as the Sermon on the Mount 
which is widely considered some of the greatest moral teaching in all of history. And it teaches us still today so much about the character and the nature of God. It's some of the most studied sayings of Jesus and is actually quite foundational to our culture today. All because one day, Jesus noticed he had an opportunity for influence. You never know what the scale of your influence will be. You never know the impact that one conversation might have. Yet Jesus was only able to have that level of influence because God was the primary influence in his life. That teaching came from an overflow of his relationship with God and it's the same with us. If we wanna see people in our lives influenced for Jesus, our influence must come from an overflow of our relationship with him. Because ultimately God is the one who determines our level of influence. He's the one who opens and shuts doors in our lives. Perhaps we can be afraid of using our influence to point people towards Christ because of the fear of man. We're worried that people will think we're strange. Well, we are strange, but worried will people, people will find out. We're afraid people will reject us. Or we're nervous that it will mean missing out on opportunities. You know, if my sports team know I'm a Christian, then I might not get as far up in the grades. The team might not accept me. I really wanna be on my boss's good side. I want him to like me. I wanna work my way up, so I'll hide the fact that I go to church. I, I, I don't wanna seem like an outsider. But your primary calling isn't to other people. It isn't to your boss. It isn't to your sports team. It isn't to your friends. Your primary calling is to worship God and to love him with all of your heart. And so when you remember that he is the one who determines your steps, when he is the one who opens and shuts doors in your life, then you can live like Paul the Apostle did when he says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. You know, I don't see any feasible reason why the people in our lives shouldn't know that we love Jesus. When I started my previous job before this, within about two weeks, pretty much everyone knew I was a Christian. It wasn't because I went around preaching about it. I didn't proclaim it on the shop floor every shift. It was simply because when people asked me what I got up to this weekend, I told them, or this week, what are you doing this week? I'm going to youth tonight because I'm a youth leader. What have you got on this night? Oh, I've got life group tonight, I can't wait. I'm sorry, I can't work that shift because I've got church then, but I can do later in the day because I wanna help you out. And throughout my time in my workplace, I tried to work hard, be a good employee, respect my, vo- my boss, avoid the gossip that would go around and don't worry, I wasn't perfect. I didn't get it right all the time, but I tried to live a life of faith and hope and love. And so while so far none of those workmates that I know of are following Jesus or attending a church, I know that I've planted seeds in their life. And my prayer is, is that one day someone else will water them. In a world full of incorrect stereotypes of what being a Christian means, when we know that Netflix will portray it wrong, when Hollywood will portray it wrong, when the media will probably portray it badly, I know that each of those workmates has had a different perspective. They've had a different experience. You don't need to be ashamed of the gospel because you can rest in the confidence that God will provide everything you need. It might not work out the way you want it. You may well miss opportunities that you otherwise would have gotten but I want God's plan for my life, not my own. I want His plan for my life because I know that what He can do is exceedingly and abundantly more than ever I could ask, think, or imagine. 
And Matthew 28, 18, which is right before the Great Commission, it tells us that Jesus has been given all authority and all power. All authority in heaven and on earth are His. That means that whatever He says goes. Whatever He says, that's what's gonna happen. That's the team I wanna be on. That's the one I wanna be standing with because He can open doors that no man can close. He can give me opportunities that no one else can. And so I might face some temporary opposition. I might have some lonely moments. I might be uncomfortable at times. I might not be the most popular person all the time. I know that greater is, in he, greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. And the one that is in me, He has been oppressed. He has gone through isolation. He has been lonely. He has gone through, he, has, he wasn't popular, but he overcame this world. He has overcome death and I've seen his goodness. I've experienced his grace. I've witnessed his restoring power. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ because it is the power of God at work in me. You have the power of God at work in your life. You don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. Band, if you'd like to come and join me. You know, there is a crowd around your life. For some, it might be a smaller crowd. For others, it will be larger. But there are people in your world that you influence. And part of going out fishing again and living on mission and putting Christ at the center is giving him access to that influence. Earlier, I talked about social media influences. And how the reason they're the biggest marketing trend right now is because people are far more likely to buy something if someone they trust endorses it. It's the same with the gospel. When you live a life of faith, a life of hope, a life of love, you become someone that people trust, someone that people love, that is influence. And it's all well and good for me to get up here and talk about how great Christ is, that's important and necessary and I'll do it till I've got no more breath, but there is so much more power when people see Christ at work in your life. Because now it's not just some brand. Now it's not just some organization. Now it's not just some institution. Now it's you, a person who I know has integrity. I know this person's character. I know the way this person lives their life. I see that their life is full of joy and hope and vibrance. Maybe there is more there than I had previously thought. And so my encouragement to you as I finish is who is the crowd around your life? Who are the people that God is calling you to influence? And be bold with your influence. You don't have to explain the entire gospel to people, but tell, start by telling them you went to church in the weekend. Tell them you booked a ticket to come to church or you gathered with your family at home to watch the live stream. Tell them how you serve on team normally, how you sacrifice some of your weekend to make this thing happen. Tell them how your kids love life, kids, and they can't wait to get back to it. Tell them you've got life group later this week. Tell them they'd probably really enjoy church if they came along. Tell them about how God has answered prayers in your life, the things that you've seen Him do. They may think it's odd. They may think it's strange, but they can't deny the kind of life that you live. They can't deny the hope in your heart. And ultimately, I believe it's those things that will open the doors of people's hearts because eventually they'll say, you know, I want that too. I want what you have simply because one day you noticed you had an opportunity. Because one day you noticed 
you had influence in someone's life and you used that influence to point them towards God. And so if you're able, why don't you stand with me this morning? So we're gonna sing a song now called See a Victory. It says, I'm gonna see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, we can be unashamed of the gospel because He has won the victory. We are on the winning team. He has overcome death. He has overcome this world and all authority and all power are His. And that power lives within you. So when you go into your workplace, when you go into your school, wherever it is that you go, you are walking with the one who has all authority because He has won the victory. And so the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. And so as we sing this this morning, why don't you take a moment to declare over your life, say, Lord, I wanna have an influence. I wanna be bold with my influence because I know you have won the victory. The battle is not mine, but I wanna take the opportunities that are before me and sow seeds into people's lives. So let's sing and declare that together this morning.